Hello and welcome to How to Adult. This is just a quick note to say that this episode is a little bit different to normal. Instead of talking to someone about their life experiences, I asked Sam to join me in a discussion about the education system. Something that I've been talking about for a long time. And I tried to explain the importance of why many times throughout the podcast. Please note that this podcast is made up of three different times over the last year that I've sat down with Sam and had this conversation. This is how passionate we are. It's a correlation of thoughts um, with no set ideas. It's just something that I think is important to share and keep discussing. Hi, Sam. Thanks for doing this again for me. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. So I just wanted to just acknowledge some things that we perhaps missed, hadn't touched on, or have just learned in the recent months, because we recorded this quite a long time ago. I think we recorded it in February, didn't we? Yeah, it was a long time ago now. I think in the last month, I hadn't quite understood the importance of our history. So in this podcast, I mention history as an example, and I say... Um, well, if you we learn this, this, and this in history, and then well, what they don't tell me what I can do with that information. I was then focusing on what you get as a career, which I think still stands at uni. If you go on to do it in higher education, then what can we get from that? However, I hadn't acknowledged the necessity of knowing the history of our country as well as other countries, and why that's important to understanding our world as it is today. A hundred percent. I think. Um... Yeah, using history as an example, we were talking about it from a from a functional um, career based point of view. We were talking about a lot of education from a sort of economic point of view and a life skills point of view. But we missed out a lot when talking about history and what history can mean for us in the present. I think the focus is in history classes are more on just documenting the past, whereas there's so much history that that would make such a difference if it were taught to how we act in the present. The whole Black Lives Matter movement, among many other things, England has such a huge past, which has been so damaging to so many people, and we never get taught about any of it, and of and how, how far we've come since then, and how we haven't come far enough yet. And I just think that is something that we need to make a whole different episode about it's a topic that deserves much more exploration in my small town especially things that i've been reading or seeing people people posting stuff if we had learned in history our history as it was if we had learned about what other cultures had brought to this country i don't think we're taught that at all and what value they bring and what value different people have brought what different societies bring in in our country then we would be more unified i i think that lack of knowledge is now turning into ignorance in so many people's Mm. minds i think with regards to education if we were taught about it in the first place people would have less of a ignorance backbone to stand on they they wouldn't have so much of a a cause because we'd we'd be taught from the beginning how bad the past has been how bad it still is the parts that we we were educated on and how 
it's almost like it's very it's been very calculated it's like we're going to show you this and this however it's done on the curriculum whether it's my school in particular or whether it is what's laid out on the curriculum to learn and a lot of it is kind of censored in a way we've been Mm. told half the truth in many respects I think that's the thing I think there's this there's this sort of stagnant bit in the education system where it's like especially when it comes to history actually where you're only shown the side of the argument that puts us in a positive light but just because people have negative things about them it wouldn't negate all the good stuff like for example when you get taught about Churchill in the war like you get taught about all the good things he did for the country and how he pulled them from through the war but you don't get taught about the negative things about him and all the horrible things he did but all those things existed within one person and why not start having rounded conversations about the good and the bad in these figures from the very beginning like and that's how we're gonna learn you may fall on one you may fall on one side of the argument or the other people love him and people hate him i'm not educated enough to really know how to make a decision on that but i just know that that would have been so much more beneficial to me to start learning how to see both sides of a of a person in an argument from back then because good and bad things have made us up made history up till now like just it's so bizarre that that's how it's taught the truth is until recently when discussing education i hadn't quite realized how important teaching history is i just saw the subjects as a stepping stone into your career and didn't understand what history really could bring and now i'm understanding the importance and the importance of educating myself on things that i wasn't taught at school and it shouldn't have taken a movement for me to start educating myself now. So please, if you haven't already, go and educate yourself on what is happening in the world currently. Actively support the Black Lives Matter movement and do lots and lots of research, especially on how racism still lives in our institution and what systemic racism really is, because those are the things that were not taught in school. A few things I would suggest starting with is The 13th on Netflix to understand how and why racism is embedded into the law and the institution still today. Go and support the black curriculum who teach black British history in schools around the UK. I also recommend reading Natives by Akala or listening to the audiobook, which is what I'm doing. Now, I've just discovered that's a thing. For anyone who's less keen on books, it's just like listening to a podcast. He talked a lot about his education and where racism existed within his teachers, which gave me a lot to think about in terms of how we put so much faith into the people who teach our children. There'll always be some incredible, incredible teachers, but then there will always be some far less credible teachers. I also recommend listening to the podcast About Race with Renee Edo-Lodge, who is also the author of Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. And that's just the bare minimum. I still have a lot to learn. We weren't taught about all of this in history and how it still affects many, many people today. Just because you weren't taught about it in school doesn't mean you shouldn't educate yourself now. Hello, Sam. Hello. Well, welcome back. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so important one today, the education system. Just a little... A little, little, little topic there. Yeah. <laughs> this is something that me and Sam have talked about 
for a very long time. Quite obsessively. Obsessively. For a really long time. Late at night when we lived together a couple of years ago, we... You called it a brain dump, which I liked. Yeah. Yeah, brain dump into my iPhone. Yeah. About everything we were feeling about the education system. For an hour and a half. For an hour and a half. <laughs> Let's get into it. What, why, what do we feel about it? If you've been feeling lost, then I guess we want to reassure you that it might not all be your fault and it, perhaps the education system in the UK probably didn't help you. So you may not have had a great start to an adult life. Mm-hmm. I certainly believe that we're kind of pushed through a system, thrown out the other side, and then we are basically left a bit helpless and confused. And this comes down to an array of things. That we are a very different generation to our parents. So yeah. my parents are a, a bit older, I guess. People's parents our age are all different ages. But mine are of the generation that my mum started work at 16. And she worked in a bank. She left school. And my dad joined the Navy at 14. So none of them really went through an education system anywhere near like the one that I went through. Yeah. What about, what did your Yeah, I think say? the same for me. Neither of my parents ever did university or anything. I think my mum went to secretarial college and sort what? of... What? Yeah, so just became a, a secretary. Not just, she had a... Secretarial college? I yeah. didn't even know that was And a they didn't thing. have computers. They just learnt on typewriters, like, how to do all their typing correctly and no. how to do shorthand, taking notes and things like that. So, yeah, really not... I mean, practical. Learning pra- all the skills for the, for the job. Practical, but only only women <laughs> doing doing that. Okay. So, yeah, it was still a very different sort of world. And my dad um, was pretty much the same. He was he worked very vocationally from a young age, so... I guess what your mum... I didn't know that. I guess what your mum has done, though, is kind of something we suggest, or well, I'm thinking, can almost... Oh, no, maybe not. Just the fact that she... It's the only job around. I'm not, it's not, it doesn't sound great. It was all women. Not doesn't sound amazing. But she needed to do a job. She went to an institution that taught her exactly how to do it. Mm. And then she left knowing exactly how to do that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, here are some random things that you can do. We haven't made much sense of them for you. Mm-hmm. Now what do you want to do with them? Go to another institution. Come out the other side at 21, 22. And you're yeah. still like... What can I do with these skills that I have learned in mm-hmm. this education system? Yeah. Weird. Mm. So they they don't really... They can't help in this situation. I feel bad because I'm always like, oh, my dad really wanted me to go to uni because I was the first one. Yeah. He didn't know any different. Like, it, for yeah. the him, that was super cool. It's like, yeah. my kid's gone to uni. None yeah, my, of my, my kids have. parents didn't go to uni either, so I was yeah. the first. So it's like, that's just... an achievement. Yeah. But it's not till you come out, and now my dad's like, oh, she's in so much debt, but I didn't know. And mm. the interest rate's insane. Like, he literally sent it me, and he's like, is this real? I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, it is. It is real. <laughs> they did not send me some fake figures in the post. That no. is what I am paying per year. £1,000 of interest just topping up each year. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to the topic. So I feel that education's been a bit left behind. So now you have to legally stay in education till you're 18 in England. It's not the same as Scotland. Mm-hmm. So it, it needs to be an even bigger priority that we make our education system 
the top that it can be because we're making kids stay there till they are adults and then as soon as they're legally adults we're like cool fun for yourself go Mm -hmm. for it okay cool what what did you just teach me in these 18 years of life Mm -hmm. that I can now go and do because I'm not sure the subjects that we teach feel very regimented and I believe there's a lot of key skills which is what me and you have talked about loads of times that we could be teaching our kids to prepare them for adult life uh, and seeing as you keep them in an institution till they're an adult, these things kind of feel important. And as we're only given like set subjects, in in those set subjects you're taught very regimentally. It we're all taught in the same way. So we're all taught in a classroom. We sit together at a desk. We have to write down the notes or write down our equations, and then you leave the classroom. And sometimes I don't feel we fully understand why we're being taught what we're being taught and that's a huge if we don't know what we're being taught or we don't understand the the value or the purpose of what we're being taught really are we one going to take that information in and learn properly or we can have any enthusiasm whatsoever to learn what's being put in front of us yeah that actually kind of blew my mind for a sec there (laughs) (laughs) sorry that was so wanky (laughs) Uh, no I just I hadn't thought about that is That is exactly it, because I was sort of thinking as you were talking, well, you need to learn a little bit of the basic of each subject, like history, geography, maths, to know if you like that area. But no one says when they start to teach you history, geography, maths, we're teaching you history because it's important you know about this and you could do this with it when you're older and that that might be something that's exciting to you. No no one ever tells you why you need to get a flavour of each of these things. That would be so helpful. Why don't they do that? That's so stupid. I don't know. (laughs) And I think an element of why the education system fails so many people is because so many people don't like school or are bored of school or don't understand the point of school. And if if you don't understand or you don't know any of these things, your drive and willingness to learn just completely diminishes, which means people who perhaps are not as fortunate to have parents that are going to do anything with them outside of school, they're they're just being failed because the only place that's been put in legally for you to attend is failing you because it's not not inciting that willingness for you to want to learn in the first place. Yeah, 100%. I think it is worth dropping in that we've all had... Well, everybody, all sort of my peers have all had a teacher that has gone that extra mile and come up with creative ways for you to learn activities and make them stick in your head for you. And I, that was our drama teachers, which is why we've ended up (laughs) meeting each other and going down the path that we have. But like lots of people do have that with, say, a history teacher or whatever. But I don't I don't want to blast all teachers in the UK because some do come up with really creative cool ways to learn but I feel like that isn't taken on by the powers that be that make the syllabus there should be more support for teachers to use creative ways for kids to learn and that's feedback in because why doesn't it happen in every subject yeah I think in my mind the onus on how to change the education system come is going to have to come from the curriculum in the beginning because there will be schools who have amazing teachers and are life-changing to those students but 
they're working above their hours, they're doing more than they're being paid to do, where some of these things can can could be solved by a change in our curriculum, by how we teach and how we um, explain the importance of a subject. Or because from now knowing teachers and understanding how they work, <laughs> Um, teachers don't know everything and when I was a kid I thought my teacher knew everything they're they're a human who goes away and learns information and then regurgitates that information in a way that hopefully the person that they're teaching understands so if the information they're being given to them regurgitate doesn't have um, much of a purpose doesn't have a point or isn't very clear then that it's it's that's where it stems from in the beginning I think a hundred percent I mean I know of a, a guy that um, studies and trained to be a PE teacher and he's now a science teacher within that same school in a secondary school even though he never studied science other than at school really? and sort of within his PE teacher training yeah and also some teachers hate kids <laughs> <laughs> so true I even I don't really works. blame them to be honest like no, I can I see either, it but, but just, it's just not the career for you <laughs> just maybe don't do that job yeah no it's just <laughs> if you hate kids it's just not the career for you you're you're in charge of a tiny humans like how they see the world in some respects and how they're going to grow up to be a, a human an adult you're in charge of that it's a big responsibility it's a huge responsibility it's a lot to ask of teachers yeah but yeah, if you're gonna, and and there will always be teachers who hate kids and don't do a very good job. But perhaps if the content of the stuff that they're being given to teach is better, then it will fail less people. Yeah, it's not just the content, is it? It's, it's what we're saying is it's the like vehicle for delivering that content. Yeah, like the, you deliver the, it as uh, this is important to you because rather than this is a thing I know and now you should know for absolutely. no apparent reason. Yeah, I think yeah, going back it's to like the main point. It's like when people go around, why do we why are we teaching what we're teaching? Is is important yeah. to know. I mean, how many people do you know that have said I've never used Pythagoras's theorem since I was in year 10? Me, Literally I say it all the time. <laughs> everyone, everyone. And to be honest, I don't know where personally I have had to think about Pythagoras's theorem since year 10, but some people do need to know it for cool engineering jobs or like physics-y jobs and if someone told you that when you were learning it then one we probably wouldn't whinge about it and two some people might be more inspired to take that subject forward you know what I mean the other thing that pisses me off is like for GCSEs for example everyone was like oh GCSEs yeah don't revise for them because they're super easy I'm sorry what I had to revise so hard. So did I. And I did like, and I'm sure you were the same because I think this was everyone, like 13 subjects. Mm-hmm. A ridiculous amount of subjects. And we're not talking one exam per subject either. We're Nuh-uh. talking about like a whole a variety of exams for one of those subjects. Yeah, I did 13 as well. Might even have been 14. Oh, I, I, I did 13. I know I came out with 16 qualifications, but I think two of them were like double awards that's insane there's literally not enough time in the day after school 
to revise for those subjects. I remember I used to get stress headaches because I was so, I was such a goody two-shoes as well. Like I wanted to do well, I wanted to do good. I didn't like doing anything bad. I didn't like breaking the rules. I was, I was fully in that regimen. Like teachers liked me because I would sit down and be quiet and listen to what they said. Yeah. But at the same time, I felt so pressured to do, to be good that outside of school, it, it, fuck me up (laughs) I couldn't timetable in enough hours in the day for all of these 13 subjects across the week that there literally wasn't enough time I remember desperately making timetables and never being able to keep up with what I'd put in there it's crazy and then I don't test well written down so in my a levels Mm -hmm. for one of the history exams I read the question wrong And everything in my whole two years of history came down to, I think, four exams. That particular day that I did a test, it came down to two questions. So whatever percentage of the total grade came down to two questions. Mm -hmm. And I read the dates wrong. So I read, yeah, I read the date and it was like only slightly wrong. And it was about like Queen Elizabeth's era. I wrote about... Mary and her brother are not Queen Elizabeth because I thought the era between the dates I was reading Mm -hmm. was their era come out of the exam walk home and I'm like Ellen oh my goodness it was on the question that we did last night she was like yeah uh oh god well so the dates were well it was Elizabeth but we did that like not and I was like what she was like yeah and I was like are you sure? No, it wasn't. It was for this one. And I was so convinced in my head. And she was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I got it wrong. But I think it was this one. And I text my other friend and she was like, yeah, it was that. And I was like, I have just wasted my whole history A-level on that one question because I read it wrong. Mm -hmm. And I read the question like three times. My whole future is now dependent on that one question. And I had all of the knowledge. I just didn't mm-hmm. read the question wrong, so I haven't written it down properly. I did a similar thing in my A-level. I just missed a page. What do you mean? You it was my second year psychology last exam. And there was a... I was... I'd finished with five minutes to spare. And I was so excited. I was like, yes, I've absolutely nailed this. How exciting. Like, I was so nervous and it's gone so well. Like, I was really confident in all of the answers that I'd written. So I was like, five minutes, let's go back, check over the paper, check everything's fine. And I got to the middle and the middle two pages, like where the staple was, I totally bypassed it. And it was like an 18 mark essay question and I just hadn't answered it. And it should have taken me like 20 minutes to answer that question. And I had about three minutes to do it. Oh my goodness. And um, it's going to sound really snobby. I was definitely on course for an A and I ended up getting a B because, which is still really, really good. And I was proud of myself, but but based on how hard I'd worked and what I was expecting to get because of all my other work up till then, and then the whole of my two years yeah. went down a whole grade because I missed a question. It's insane. And that's just like a mild version of what I mean by how we test. That's just like physical stuff. But it is crazy that you learn all of this 
all of this information for two years and it, it can come literally down to a question. After I do an exam, I would forget every, I don't Everything. know what it was. Every piece of information. And I don't mean over a year. I mean a week. One week, that information. No, 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 no. Even, even shorter than that. I remember doing my maths GCSE and I revised so hard because I was, all of my friends in my friendship circle for some reason, were maths whizzes. They all knew <laughs> everything. And I was always, like, the arts, like, literature, like, yeah, artsy sort of girl. And they were all really, like, sciencey maths-based. And I managed to be in the same, like, group with them. I was in the same maths group, so I'd managed to make it into this top nice. group. And I was so proud of myself for being able to keep up. But, like, I had to work so hard to try and, like, feel like I was doing as well as them. And I remember studying for weeks for this maths exam, when I was 16, like, crazy to be studying this much for something when you're 16. But I remember, I, I, I'll never forget the sensation in my body. I stepped out of the hall where I'd had that exam and I literally felt in my body, if you ask me those questions again now, I couldn't answer them. It was like all of that mm-hmm. work that I'd put in had sort of saved itself as adrenaline for this one moment. And now I have no access to that information anymore. Like it served its purpose and it's gone i 100 percent recognize that feeling from psychology <laughs> and it was on a reset and i left thinking oh I've, i this I, this is twice that i've done this exam now and i couldn't tell you anything and <laughs> i i actually relate so hard to the feeling when you were like it's like it leaves your body because i literally walked out and i have to walk around this corner and i was like well i don't know what i've just done no i can i can i can it was a, such a physical yes! thing i can't even believe it i can still now Almost a decade later, remember walking down the ramp out of this hall into the outside and having that sensation yeah. of it's gone. Weird. Like, it's just gone. And do you <laughs> know what? Gone. I think it, again, comes down to how we test and how everything's so pressure built until that. And it feels like your life depends on that exam. If I mean, some people work differently and they don't, give, they don't care. But if you're someone that cares about exams... Your life so solely depends on that. So when you go, it's like your brain has a shock trauma reaction mm. where it's like, phew, we don't have to think about that again and we don't have to be stressed over it again. Mm. So I'm just going to forget. I'm going to block it out of the brain because it was so traumatic. Mm-hmm. It's literally like you've experienced too much trauma and your brain's like, well, we don't want to remember that again because yeah. we don't need to anymore. Something I have to say about testing is, is actually going to wang into um, me being such an advocate for arts and arts education and the way that that helped me even in this system because the only time I feel like I ever did an exam where the information stayed with me and is still useful to me now and the skills that I learned how to do that exam are still skills that I'd like to use now was in my A-level drama and theatre studies course. Yeah. So even though it was a practical course, we had to do a written exam at the end and because lots of people that took drama like you don't say they don't test well yeah and that's why they wanted to take such a practical and physical subject yeah my drama teacher put in so much effort in order to make taking an exam like that accessible to people where being examined like that was not the best way to show off their skills okay um so for example half of the exam you had to talk about directing a play Okay. And if you were to direct a play, oh, yeah, how you would I did, do it, I did you did this, this well. you know. What yeah. I'm but um, in the lead up to this exam, my teacher put in so much work 
into making us practice explaining this concept in so many different ways. Really? So That's incredible. Phase one is we all had to make a model of our set of how we'd set it up if we directed it. Oh, cool. And then bring in our model box and present it to class and show them around the set and explain why we'd done bits. So that was like a really physical way of showing off what we'd done and being yeah. able to see it all in our heads. Um, another thing she did was uh, we did activities in class where we had to put on a scene with some people pick a scene from our play and show how we would direct it. So we had the acting physicality, we had all that covered. Nice. Um, and then we did writing exercises around it, but not in the way that you'd write in an exam. She'd ask the questions in really different ways to get you, you to elicit the responses that she wanted. And it was almost like having this mixed bag of tricks. So picking the one thing that was answering this exam question in the way that we needed to to get the marks and then giving us sort of five different ways and five different points of reference to get back to where if we were a really visual person, we could think back to when we were presenting our model boxes or if we were a very tactile person, we could think back to when we were working with other people. And she didn't explain it in that way, but when I reflect on it looking back, everyone did so well in that exam compared to how they did in any of their other subjects, even if writing wasn't their first port of call. And I genuinely believe it's having that freedom and the intellect of this teacher to... Yeah, that is that is education done right there. That's, I kind of feel like that's what you were harping on about, though. Like, if you're picking a maths concept, like, let's find different ways to access yeah. that concept for different people. Because there's got to be some way to help people access it. Yeah, and actually... I know some, it's like, oh, some people learn practically and some people don't. But actually practically putting, say, like, if we're talking about algebra and a maths thing, it's like, okay, right, we've all learned how to do algebra now. Let's let's now act out physically different scenarios in which we will use this. So, like, surely they can be like, this job requires this. Okay, so you're building blah, 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 and you need to know, I don't understand how algebra works, but I think people use it in building stuff, right? I think, I don't know. So say it is, say that that is what it works, then put that into context and be like, cool, well, we're doing this. So actually, this is where algebra comes in handy. Mm-hmm. And this is what we would do to do it. And let's actually physically do that. Yeah, like, for example, how much concrete do you need to like learning the volume of the volume yeah. of the room and then and then working out what that means in terms of height and I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's not dimensions, but it's taking like unknown factors and working so them out. you can visualise yeah. as a kid already like where this would be useful because then also it comes into fact because I remember kids would be like, Miss, why did, this is so stupid. Why are we learning this? I never once had a teacher answer that question like, oh, well, actually, blah, blah. They'd be like, we have to learn it. It's on the syllabus. Great, that's really inspiring kids to like get super enthusiastic about doing what they need to mm-hmm. be doing, isn't it? We keep going back to this point with maths, so I re-listened to stuff that we've talked about before. I realised that this is called applied maths, and I've heard that word before, and I didn't realise that's what it meant. (laughs) So applied maths is learning how to use maths in, like, an invention you've created. It's putting it practically in a way that what to show you how maths is useful. So, like having to calculate the correct angle of a speed of a cog in a clock and that shows you how it needs to turn so then you understand how you make clocks or like having a whole class make their own time machine would enhance a student's critical thinking to give them a new application of from maths that last sentence I literally 
wrote down from what I read earlier. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it's putting stuff practically for kids so they understand why they're doing. It's not just sums on a page. Yeah. You understand why you need pi. Yeah. And I think that can inspire them further because some people are just really good at, like, exploratory, pure maths where you're like studying it and doing experiments with maths for the sake of learning more about how maths works but like you've got to start in a place that you can grab onto even if people do then end up being really clever and theoretical and like I don't know astrophysicists or whatever yeah absolutely I think a couple of years ago I kept banging on about like why in schools do they not teach us what jobs there are available to us and that's why we all come out so clueless because we just don't even know what there is out there available to us and after having many conversations I've come to understand that perhaps like you're never going to be able to go into school and they give you a fat a to z encyclopedia of all the jobs that there are ever in the world and every day <laughs> there's stuff that's changing but in doing things like that and putting in understanding on what stuff can be useful that will inspire people to understand why they like it and then put that more practically into what they could then do and then discover as a result, and then jobs, I think, would hopefully come up out of that. Like, I could be a clockmaker, or I could do this into finance. Yeah. I think that is um, really important to be taught about what sort of jobs are different out there at school, because you did learn about... Uh, you can be a firefighter or a hairdresser or a doctor or a lawyer and you, you know those things because they're all, like, very visible in movies and TV and, like, just how you live your everyday life. But I never knew... See, the job I do now, I could not have dreamed that something like that existed because you're not even close to it so, and, and and it probably didn't exist. So, yes, I'm being a bit walking around the houses but what I'm saying is I agree there's never going to be an A to Z encyclopedia of all jobs because there shouldn't be because jobs are changing all the time but we should be taught about you should be taught how jobs can evolve from other jobs more variety we just need to know about more variety or be given resources to explore that for example I yeah absolutely if I was when I was asked as a kid what I wanted to do I, I said hairdresser and then I said teacher because they were literally physical representations of jobs I knew existed in the world. Mm-hmm. It's such, and um, people expect kids to be able to answer that question honestly. Like when you ask a five-year-old or a ten-year-old, "What do you want to do?" I, I don't know how what they expect them to say other than things that they've physically seen in their life because they don't mm-hmm. know. They don't know mm-hmm. what's out there, what exists. I'm sure someone would love their kid to be like a neuroscientist. I would love to do this. They don't know that exists because they haven't been taught that that exists. So they're going to yeah. go... And then when... This is maybe getting a bit too deep. But perhaps for those people who haven't gone into further education or haven't had um, a desire to, to learn, then those careers will remain what they always want to do. But perhaps they would have had another passion to do something else had they have known or been taught that other things existed in the world Mm. I think another way to look at it and I'm not sure if we've touched on it in a conversation before that you have any recordings of um was about learning about what skills jobs require so you can learn about what skills you're good at 
And then when you're looking out into the big wide worlds of all the jobs that are out there, you you can recognise, I have those five skills and I didn't realise you'd need those skills to do that job. Because, again, even if we're talking about learning about more and more jobs that are out there and that are available, even that, like, you're never going to make that not restrictive because you're only going to be able to learn about a certain quantity. So I think we've spoken before about how in lessons and learning what you're good at and stuff you can learn what sort of skill that is rather than just using the example we've been going on rather than just saying oh I'm good at maths you can say that you are a more I don't know linear thinker or you you're good at recognizing patterns or you're good with data do you know what I mean and then you can spring Very things true. from those skills like, perhaps we don't even need to think about what jobs we want to do perhaps that shouldn't even be a question that we ask children because they won't know and perhaps instead we should encourage them to explore and seek out things and question the world more how you can use the skills you have to fit into jobs even if you didn't know that they existed because jobs are being invented every day that we didn't know existed two months ago there's there's new ways to use those skills but i think working out how the skills that you do have can be used in real life is still something that we're not good at yeah because we're not encouraged to explore it from a young age Mm -hmm. schools need to encourage people to pursue their passions and not in such a regimented way because it is like right you like history cool well we're gonna do we're gonna learn about this this and this in history cool, I've learnt some history, what can I do with that information? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. If kids get passionate about something or something does excite them in schools, I feel like we we need to then open up a whole new realm for them within that. So definitely in in lower years, a wide variety of things need to be, kids need to be made to do, 100%. to explore everything and we definitely still need to do the basics like english maths science we need to know how our bodies work i think that's Mm -hmm. super important we need to know how to write and read and we need to know how to do basic maths to get by in life 100 percent. but then from that there there just needs to be a different way to get kids to explore things they like opposed to like going to school and writing down and writing essays Mm mm-hmm is such a regimented form of education and testing. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about how when you get older, the conversation moves from what do you want to be when you grow up to, oh, what do you do for a living? And that's how people then recognise you and your status, and that's how they place you in the world. And how we don't like that question, and we'd love people's answer to that question, what do you do? to never include their job title. How amazing if kids were asked, sort of, what do you want to be when you grow up? If they were saying, I'm not sure, but I know I'm a really good critical thinker and I really want to be able to explore that part of myself in my life. I know that's a bit of a, like, noble goal, but, like, how radical in my brain to think of it that way for a kid to go, I'm not really sure, there's lots of options, but I know I'm really good at um, working out puzzles. Yeah, absolutely. Or I think the way you said it the first time sounded very intellectual. But yeah, saying I'm very good at puzzles, absolutely. Yeah, or I'm very good at um, coming up with um, imaginative ideas, like using my imagination, or I'm really good at um, 
working out number patterns. Do you know what I mean? Seeing it as a as a part of you that's good rather than something you're aspiring to be. I don't know. I'm having these big thoughts. I'm not describing them very well, but then no, you like, like every time we have this conversation, new things come out. It's so important to talk about this stuff. I'm reading Ken Robinson and Louis. Oh, oh, I'm gonna absolutely destroy the name. I can't read. <laughs> Arcon, Arcona, Aron. Ah, oh, if you know the book, it's called Creative Schools, and in it they talk about how um, the way we currently test children and the way that we, uh, yeah, how we test children is almost designed in a way that we pit schools against each other. So every school wants to be graded outstanding by Ofsted, which comes in and grades them. So then the focus is on getting kids to have excellent grades to make the school look good. And I think sometimes that comes as a, at a detriment as to the, the how everyone is, because not everyone tests well in the current scheme that we have for testing so those kids are being left behind 100 percent, which is scary because you're then putting your faith in a school and you're putting your whole child's education in in an institution that perhaps doesn't have their best interests at heart because at the end of the day there's still sometimes an institution that makes money and how do they get funding and make money? They have to be seen as an outstanding school that gets good grades. 100%. There's and it's so still much stuck wrong. in a system. Yeah, that, that tests very regimentally. And we test all kids exactly the same. We don't all work like that. So that's no. only helping a select few people. And also it's crazy the way that a lot of grading systems work in that like whether you get an A star depends on um the percentage of people that are taking that test for example the only the top six percent are awarded an a star so you have to be within a certain bracket so say everybody who took the test got above 90 out of 100 only yeah. the people that got 99 would get an a star and the people that got 94 would get a C, even though really in the scheme of how hard the test is they all did really really well what i i don't think i knew that did you not no yeah and i don't and i don't think it happens all the time but like for example this is the sentence i was trying to get to not everybody can get an a even if they're all almost as clever as each other i see yeah like you're still going to be pushed down because they're only letting a certain amount like they do with driving tests, they can only pass a certain amount of people per month. Oh, that's crazy. And that letter is so much important is placed on that letter. Yeah. It's unreal. That point came into my brain because of what you were saying about Ofsted and testing and stuff. So that's why they try, you see it happening in schools, they find the kids that are really clever and then they give them so much more attention if they look like the sort of kids that will do well in that test because in order for them to get good grades in their school, they have to get people in that top bracket because even if all their kids are pretty clever but not geniuses, they're still not going to get in their top bracket of results. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I re-listened to what we said before. Our brain dump. Our brain dump. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd said that why are we 
not encouraged um, to pursue dreams in a way where it doesn't feel like a fairy tale. Mm. Quote of the day, Sam. <laughs> Such a good one. But it's so true because we're just taught to be like, yeah, dream big, do blah, blah, blah. But it always feels unrealistic. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're not really telling me to presume, pursue. Or if you are, I'm like, how? <laughs> yeah, they, they give you the the confidence enough to have really huge ambition and then no tools as to yeah. how to enact that exactly but like if you if you dream it you can do it how, how, how do i do well, yeah. so, uh, excuse me um <laughs> and i also think schools are quite selective with who who they give that motto, motto to mm. so for example people in my school i definitely felt this from from being on the outside, so not even in this situation, were almost told that they are stupid and then that made them misbehave more. So when you're told that you're not good at things, you then disengage. Mm -hmm. So we need to create a system that doesn't... that is vast in stuff that gives us lots of options to explore but it also teaches us in different ways because, again, everyone learns differently and it's in our best interest to teach kids who are not disin like who are not interested in schooling to get them into stuff because if i'm being stereotypical they're often the kids that come out and then get into trouble trouble and it's in society's best interest as a whole for t- for those people not to be in trouble to reduce crime mm-hmm. to make safer places to make healthier places so people like everyone's always like oh they're relying on the government i'm sorry but they probably haven't been educated good enough to not have to rely on on the government like they haven't been given enough opportunities or even it's not even opportunities it's more encouragement Mm. like no one's given encouragement to pursue things that make them happy Mm -hmm. it's kind of like oh yeah you're not really good at school well sorry good luck in the future like you're not giving kids a very good start at all and I think there's something about um in schools they're encouraged to get the well-performing students to do as best as they can because if they say 85% 85% of our students got grades A star to C, then it makes the school look really good, then they get more donations, everyone's better off. That's literally it's all my about school. Money. I looked at it today and it's, it says 85% of kids got C to A star. Yeah, but I, I think there needs to be more of an onus on celebrating skills that aren't just letters on a page, because I think they say have a dream and they teach you to be really ambitious... But they, but if you if you ask a kid what their dream is and they say they want to work in the corner shop, people are like, ah ha ha, they'll think of something more ambitious later. How cute that they want to work in the corner shop. Yeah. But no one's teaching people that you can have a job in the corner shop, it not be a passion, but it gets you by. And then because you work the the daily hours that you work in the corner shop outside of that you've got so much time to enrich your day or or commit to charity work or i don't know get really good at embroidery and give everyone really nice embroidered gifts <laughs> like i don't know i think there's so much onus placed on shoot for the stars do what you want to do but if we were taught how to enjoy the simpler things as um as well regarded as the more 
yeah academic things then maybe I everyone would agree. be a bit happier because i kind of have i had this theory that if everyone did what they enjoyed the most the world would be much better off but in yeah. order to work that out we have to get honest with ourselves about what we enjoy because for some yeah. people being in a really competitive private brain surgeon in working environment would get them going and would save a lot of lives yeah but if you get your kicks and you can't you can't find your kicks within what pays the bills but by working in that corner shop you give an old man that buys his paper the same face to see every day and then you still have a really healthy state of mind outside work who's to say that in a butterfly effect kind of way that isn't having just as important an impact on the world absolutely if we all committed to what we enjoyed and didn't feel shameful that we weren't achieving what other people were achieving yeah because who knows who who's who's to say that just because you don't have a record of of the goodness that you do that you can write down every day yeah that you aren't doing just as much good for the world as everyone else absolutely but it's also finding that confidence to, to believe that you are doing that and also like you said finding the happiness outside of the job so yeah. so if it is that you, it's paying the bills and often you're getting some pleasure from it some enjoyment you're getting something yeah. out of it what what else are you doing outside that also gets that passion flaring yeah or like, learning how to enjoy yourself if it's like a side business on etsy or like yeah, you 100%. make like little things for people or you do little drawings for something or or like you're you're involved in a club or you start a football team or, yeah. or anything like that literally if you really like bowling on a tuesday why is that not good enough yeah yeah i think there's i think there's a lot to be said for that i think it comes back to that thing that i said before about dreams and fairy tales because when someone says what's your dream and you're supposed to say i want to be a pop star when I'm older and I want to live in a really beautiful house and have like 10 ponies in the field. <laughs> like, like that's, that's the level of fairy tale that you're supposed to aspire to. Yeah. But if you tell someone your dream is to be happy and to like get really good at bowls, like you're made to feel that that's not good enough of a dream because it doesn't fit a Disney stereotype. Like I think that's really damaging. We need to get away from the idea of yeah. like success being one type of thing. Also on that, I think um, people's expectations of what a happy life is is quite high. Like, yeah, if you're not sad sometimes, you can't appreciate what being really, really gassed is. <laughs> like, so true. Like, I'm sat here for the whole of the podcast series, being like, pursue your dreams, be happy, find stuff that makes you happy. But yeah, also be almost realistic in your mm. expectations. I'm not saying that the goal is to be happy every day mm-hmm. for 24/7. That's very that's you're human. It's mm. unrealistic. But yeah, if, I think if yeah. it's like 257 days, you're unhappy until your next holiday. 100%. Then we have a bit of a problem. 100%. But I think it's about finding balance and um, on the school teaching you to to dream big and head for this perfect vision Mm -hmm. i have a job now which i absolutely love and it makes me really happy but that doesn't mean every day i jump out of bed and i'm like yay let's go do seven hours of sitting at a laptop (laughs) i I love what comes out of my job i think really lovely 
end results come out. I enjoy the people that I get to work with. I enjoy the conversations that I get to have. But sometimes there's bits of it that are boring. But that that that's okay because yeah. then when the really exciting bit happens, it feels like a really special day. Absolutely. And obviously, I'm not saying get yourself into a rut and never feel like you can get out of it. But I think having like metered expectations about actually on measure things are pretty good yeah like it's being it's being able to to work out where that is to be honest because in my last job I kept trying to tell myself I'm happy most of the time but actually I, I, I really was pretty miserable yeah and I was just trying to make myself feel better forced happiness is horrible but now I've hit a middle ground it's made me so much more appreciative of like sometimes when I have bad days that's okay because the good days are coming <laughs> I I 100% agree with that I don't know, I just think sometimes naughty children are, maybe they have a really hard home life and that's put into the classroom and then they're they're not helped when they get there or they're, like, for example, when you suspend people for not turning up to school, that blows my mind. Like, Mm. you're making the problem worse, they're not going to learn at home. Or in my school, there was such a big thing put on how we looked So you had to have a certain haircut, you didn't, weren't allowed piercings, your skirt had to be a certain length to the point that in my, we would be taken out of tutor group, the girls, and we'd have to line up and this teacher would have a ruler and she would measure our skirts to see what height it was. And we'd be taken out of other stuff, tutor sessions that we should have, just because of our appearance, went in that... I think too much was emphasised on what we looked like and not the education, which then, say, for example, someone got expelled for their skirt being too short. Well, how have you helped them at all? They've now gone home and they're not learning anything at home. I just can say a lot of the things that we're talking about that we agree on um, are expensive. Yeah, and that's like, why a lot of them answer. don't exist. But then that's the that's the reason why we're having these conversations. Like, I'd be totally embarrassed if we put out any of these conversations we had, and it sounded like we've got all the answers. We know how to fix the education system. What we're doing is identifying things that didn't work for us or failed us in a way or failing people around us, and saying this is an issue or this is this is one way it could work, and then with the idea to incite other people to have conversations and then somebody out there eventually might get to the person and have a conversation with them and then they'll have a really good practical affordable answer and it'll work like I wasn't saying they're expensive to stop to stop the chatting I I just I think it's worth acknowledging that there is that that finance side to it too no absolutely it's like I I understand that I'm perhaps pinpointing many issues that like not everything's going to be solved not every kid's going to be like do well out of education it's just impossible like we, there's not the perfect world but there, I think there's definitely a better system out there somewhere and then um going back quickly to grading a, a yep. really quick point so my friend Hannah she had to resit an A star so Hannah is very intelligent she is a human that I go to all the time for advice on like life or anything that academically I don't understand she knows uh she also knows a lot about like how to keep someone alive and she's now a nanny and she's amazing and I love her but the pressure that she was put on at school used to baffle me so um what she explained to me last night was 
she had to sit her maths GCSE and her science GCSE early because they, for some reason, decided there was this... And it wasn't just one person. It was the, a group, a club, the top set, basically. They were like, the top set are smart enough to not have to do year nine work. They're going to do year 10 work and they're going to sit their GCSEs early. So then when they sit their GCSEs, they can then get an AS early. Mm-hmm. Blows my mind because that... <laughs> I don't... Um, I, t- I asked Hannah, I was like, what, why do you think they did that? And she's like, so then we maybe could get an AS. And I was like, but then if you chose to go to sixth form and do it, you would, you'd get that AS. Like, what do you, what do you think that provides you with much value? She was like, um, I think at the time, if someone asked me to do something like that, I was such a, I think she said goody two shoes, which is what I would say I was as well. Mm. But if a teacher said to her, like, jump, she would say how high is what she 100%. said like she would do whatever she was told of her because she thought that that was what was best whereas in the end it ended up being such a stressful situation and she got an a star and then they were like oh we think you can do even better we think you can get like top marks so you're gonna have to resit it so on top of having 13 other gcses which we talked about before about having um no there's not enough time in the day to read to do all of your GCSEs, so I'll probably yeah. like link that in as again at some point because I think what we said before was some good points. But yeah, she she had she was told she had to reset an A star, and then I said, do you think that had an effect on your mental health? And she said, what really had an effect on my mental health is when I did my science early and I got. Um, and I came into the class and the teacher was like, oh, you've got your results back. And she was like, I, I was nearly sick. Like Hannah would stress so much about exams. And then the teacher goes to her, oh, you got an A. But in a tone of voice where he was disappointed. And she was mm. like, oh, okay, well, an A is really good. And he was like, and then he just went on to suggest that she should have done far better than that. And it wasn't good enough. And I think it's very damaging telling someone who who has tried their utmost. A child. A child who's put in all their work and has got a fantastic grade that actually they didn't do well enough. It's almost, and I hadn't thought about it before because I kind of thought that the system supports people who are quite academic in ways mm. that test well, but actually it sounds like it's failing from both sides. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So we talked before about how we hope we would like, in an ideal world, a school to teach you how to do stuff that's required of you as an adult legally. Yeah. So that's like, like taxes, mortgages, um, council tax, how to pay rent, how to save. I think super important, yeah, like how to definitely. budget. Why is no one taught about that? So many people come out in debt or using loans. Yeah. I have so many friends that use their overdraft at uni and are still trying to get out of it now. Yeah. And they left three years ago. Yeah. That's crazy to crazy, me. Crazy, crazy. And I'm not saying teaching everyone this is going to save everyone, but there's a lot of well edu- considered well-educated people mm. that are very clueless when it comes to anything to do Definitely. with that. Like, we're, we're saying we've got a lot of problems with the education system. 
because of the ways that it failed us. But I think it's, it's interesting to note that, like, compared to so much of the rest of the world, our education was incredible. Yet still, the fact that we had such a formal education compared to what other people were exposed to and were in it for so long, despite having all that privilege, how ill-equipped we still were to tackle all these things that you have to tackle as an adult. Yeah, I want people to be educated on um, confidence and I want people to be educated nice. on sustainability yes. and all things that that are beneficial to your life that aren't necessarily academic. Yeah. But are skills that you need. Even if you're the cleverest person in the world, in order to get by, if you've got something to show someone, you came up with the best algebraic equation that's ever been created, you need to be able to go into a room and say to someone, look, I did this thing. And that's yeah. a skill that lots of people who are really good at academia don't ever get the chance to have because 100%. they're clever in one way and not so clever in another. Yeah. And to be educated in those areas, I think, would just be the bomb. I 100% agree. That is a fabulous idea. Self-love, recognising mental health symptoms, better sex and relationships education. Um, yes. All of the personal social health education things that schools try and get away with saying they do, but really, they need so much more time dedicated to them than they're given. Yeah. Uh, and mindfulness so when i was looking earlier about what other people things people suggested um that we should be taught under mental health came mindfulness and they said it would help young people and old people too to better manage their worries throughout and discover how the brain and mind really works so then you can put it practically into simple medication and breathing skills and finding how to be in the moment and that will then that's a skill that can then stay on with you for life that would be very important yeah. and I also think really key for exams so like if the system never changed and we still had to do all um we were still tested the same learning how to cope under that pressure and that anxiety would have been a very useful tool and perhaps some people would have done even better as a result yeah 100% I think that um learning how to look after yourself impacts not only every area of your life, but also every area of your learning. So the fact that it's not a bigger part of the education system is just wild to me. I've been reading this book about um, art and the healthcare system and how art and health can benefit each other recently, because I'm finding that really interesting. But there was a section in it on mental health and then there's this definition and I can't remember, it might have been by the World Health Organization, but I can't remember. But it defined mental health as not only the absence of a mental illness, but also the presence of wellness. And I think that's so often missed out that you think of mental health as you have to have a mental illness, a mental disorder, you have to be depressed or schizophrenic or anxious or have have a label in order to need to pay attention to your mental health but what makes up mental health isn't just illnesses it's it's your well-being as well just anyway as a human and there are so many things there's something for everyone that could be a technique or a ritual or something they do in their daily lives that would improve their well-being and improving your well-being 
improves your productivity, your capacity to learn, your self-esteem, which improves your capacity to learn. Like there, it's so important and something that there's whole other reams and hours of conversation on. But in terms of the education system, the personal social health education, PSHE, was the only thing I had in school that was even a sniff at that. And we had one hour a fortnight on that with our tutor that wasn't trained in any of those areas. And we had to cover everything from sexual education, religious choices, drugs, everything. So to leave space for positive things about wellness rather than just preventing disease and not ending up a drug addict or not ending up with all these sexual diseases, there was not enough space to learn how to be well (laughs) in yourself. I forgot your, my tutor also had to do that. And especially in my early, I think from like seven till year nine, I remember our tutors were responsible for teaching us about social studies. I forgot that was a thing, which is crazy to me because I remember even seeing teachers cringe at the stuff that they had to say. Really, a medical professional or a professional should be teaching you, like someone from outside of the school should be teaching you about mental health and social studies. A really quick point off of what you just said as well made me think about when you said that um, how we cope with finding different strategies to cope with anxiety and other stuff. Like there's no one thing that will help everyone. That also comes into education and and how we teach other subjects. And I think it's really it would be really important to teach children that not one method for everything helps everyone and actually we need to find what works for us even to like how we revise how we learn it's Mm -hmm. important to know what kind of learner you are what kind of think you are there's so many tests now and when I spoke to Leif actually he sent me a few things that I could look into about like how your personal brain works and how you learn and how you think about the world and like what kind of what more dominant things you have about you and what like personality traits which I think are really important to learn and understand to then recognize how that fits into your everyday life Mm -hmm. and then going on to from what you just said about social stuff and drugs I would love to do a whole episode on this actually something that's very close to home for me Mm. but how we teach drugs in school definitely needs to change and this is something that I don't have a really clear idea on but I've been looking into and I really think there's quite obvious ways in which we should be teaching about drugs and that is not teaching kids I don't know how you were taught about drugs but I remember watching endless videos and it wasn't ever really what it would just be like they'd put on a video and it would be and they would go into scientifically what happens when you take a drug but it would be in such a negative way and then they would gloss over the fact, like parts that people, the reasons why people take them in the first place, that actually kids left being excited about wanting to take them. Or like the more rebellious people were like, yeah, I'm going to try that, which will always happen. But we should also be teaching kids not just how stuff works in terms of like what chemical goes into your brain but then also what to look out for if you see someone take this or if you yourself Mm -hmm. end up taking it and then how to deal with it I watched a video the BBC did a few rounds of this and it was called how to not die 
And this mm-hmm. one was How to Not Die from Ecstasy. And it completely opened my eyes. It was about this boy whose friend died from an ecstasy. Um, it was just, a, I think it was like a bad batch slash also an overdose. And it the, the importance of the video was if he had understood the effects and what to look out for, like on a bad trip, for example, he could have done something to prevent his friend dying. So his friend ultimately ended up dying and they were still at school. They were the age they were still at school. I also learned in that video that if you call an ambulance, they're not obliged to report it to the police, which is something I wish I'd known before because I think that's really important to, if you're scared, if you've done something that's been told to you that's so, so bad, you're not going to want to call someone with more power to help you because you're going to be scared of the result of what will happen because of that, like being punished, for example. Yeah. And then at the end, there was the ambulance driver who said, people will always take drugs, and they always have and they always will do, but there are things that you can do to minimise the risk and not leave your friends behind and understand what can happen and then what you can do as a result, which is something I just don't think that we're taught. Yeah. I think you do need to do another separate conversation about drugs because I think you need time to explore that conversation in a way that covers all bases but um in terms of education about drugs and I think sexual education I'm kind of lumping them in together because I think they're things that young people come across it is all taught at the moment and although they try and make it seem like it's not it's all taught in a way that incites fear yes the drug education and the education about sexually transmitted diseases and things like that are all fear-based or shame-based. So drug addicts are, are bad people, and if you've got a sexually transmitted disease, it's kind of disgusting. That's what that's the impression you leave with, or I did at least. I definitely huge about like sexually transmitted like diseases. I don't think it's taught about how common that is, and then what you should because if someone's fearful that that's disgusting, and they do they don't do anything about it because they're too afraid, that's going to lead to so many more... Yeah. It's something that's very easily treated mm-hmm. in most and cases. And people, like, young kids who get involved in that situation are so scared to seek help because it's such a shameful thing to do. And the same with if they're having issues with substance abuse or anything of the like. Like, that's why I think mental health... And all of those subjects belong in the same collection of lessons. I don't think personal social health education is a bad idea. It just needs to be bigger and it needs to be more compassionate. Absolutely. Because there's no point in telling kids that this is bad, don't do it. This is awful. This is what happens. Because people will always do it. It will always happen. So teach them about what happens when when that happens. When that happens, yeah. (laughs) And to be less, less of, less, I don't know, maybe not less afraid, I don't know. No, um, I think, I think there is a, a an important element, like, they're not good things to happen in your life, but there's got to be a balance between fear training and, like, measuring risk and then seeking help. There's, there's somewhere in the middle there that someone more intelligent than me has to be able to find. Absolutely. Alcohol should definitely be in that as well. I don't think yeah, we're definitely. Taught anything about Alcohol's alcohol. Alcohol's a drug, so... It's, yeah. Very quick point that I would like to make is understanding addiction, and I'm really not going to go into that because I would love to do a whole um, episode, but yeah, something that I'm also not going to go into, but it's very personal for me. I think I have come to understand 
that it's so important to understand addiction because it can happen to absolutely anyone and it should as soon as you bring shame on something that people get addicted to loads of things it's just it's it's it just happens it happens it's not it's you can't ever stop it but having an understanding of why leads to you be out, being able to help that person more or even understanding the how to recognize the first signs of addiction how to help someone just a, an understanding of addiction would have in my situation helped much earlier on maybe to not get to a point of which things have happened now um that's so vague because i don't want to go into it right now but i the importance of understanding addiction would help so many people and people who think that they really don't think it will ever affect them yeah 100% an important point yeah oh that something i've written explored. down before is that fe- even festivals know that it's going to happen like festivals have tents that have like drug help don't they where it's mm-hmm. like we're not going to punish you if you come but we'll test your drugs for you for example that's yeah. a very smart thing to do because you're then preventing deaths because people are going to do it anyway and they quite rightly know that they're going to do it anyway and they put a ban on it. They're trying not to let it come into the festival with many different measures, but they know it's still going to happen. So they're making sure that they've put something in place, which means that if the worst comes to worst, people still will hopefully won't die because of it because they can yeah. get their drugs tested and other stuff. like. Which is another thing, drug testing. Didn't know that existed either. Didn't understand that you could get dodgy drugs from different people and I should, you should really understand, really know what it is. Something else that I looked into today that I hadn't thought about before was survival skills. Yeah. For example, like first aid. I have been looking recently, I really want to do a first aid course and I know quite a few people have done it now, but just knowing some basics would be amazing in school to learn first aid. Yeah. Like, I am... Um... <laughs> I want to recommend the film Captain Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I don't, I don't want to do spoilers because it's a fantastic film, clearly. But um, this guy has got all his kids living in the wilderness in the middle of nowhere and they, uh, they know how to hunt for themselves, they know how to defend themselves, they know how to make fire, they've read up on, like, all the philosophy and physics that has ever existed in the world, they're, like, super intelligent, but that system also has its flaws, and their connected family that live in the, in air quotes, real world, don't really agree with it for certain reasons, and, like, looking at the balance between the importance of those skills and the importance of real world skills and like finding a happy medium as the place to be is uh, fascinating. And I think if you're looking into knowing those sorts of things, it's an interesting film to watch. Oh, I'm going to look into it. Probably um, totally irrelevant to this conversation. It's a good film. No, I'm, I'm checking that out. Nutrition. That's something that um, I also hadn't thought about before. It's so important and I think a lot of like the government and other people have placed nutrition on um, being parents. That's like what your parents should teach you. But again, yeah. not all parents know that for themselves because they've never been taught it themselves. So they don't know 100%. what provides we're nutritional raise- value. We're raising the next generation of parents in school, so it's always going to be relevant. 
Even if the kids can't implement it when they're kids because their parents are in charge of the budgets. Yeah. To know about it and then maybe be able to impart it when they're adults. That's going to be the next generation of parents, so... And that would also give you a better awareness and understanding of, like, eating disorders and just general food knowledge and skills. And and that also nutrition relates massively into mental health and well-being as well. Absolutely. Another point that I'd like to raise is recently um, LGBTQ plus has only just recently been implemented in as necessary in the UK to have in a curriculum and it's being put into place in September which just Scotland isn't it is amazing no it's in the UK is it yeah that's so sick yeah I think um Scotland were one of the first people to implement it or that's something around there wait let me double check in case I got that wrong so I've just gone on the government website and it says relationships education will be compulsory for all primary aged pupils from September 2020. Yeah, so teaching children that some people have two mums, some people have two dads, like just, I mean, there's many different combinations and hopefully that will properly be implemented. But it's a huge thing that is only just being implemented now. Like, yeah. I mean, how much would that have helped? Like, thousands upon thousands of people. So important. Another point that I haven't written down that I just quickly thought of. At school, yep. did you show much interest in politics? Nope. Because my a few of my friends did politics as they chose to do that at school in the couple of subjects that you could choose to do. But I never had an understanding of it, so I never showed an interest in it. And I actually think it should be compulsory for us to have an understanding of the political system in this country and how to vote and why voting is important and what voting means and what the different parties are. Because I, I... it wasn't until I went to uni and people around me who did know this information shared it with me that I understood the importance of voting. And I think that sounds really naive and it is. But I just didn't, mm. I didn't know. And, and for example, it comes to play in America. I've seen recent people say that they'd never registered to vote before because they didn't think that their vote count would count or they didn't think that there was someone that would best represent them. Or But these people are in charge of your future and how you mm-hmm. work. And we need to have an understanding of, of what that means for all of us. Hundred percent. My my little brother did get quite into politics when he was at school, and I remember being four years older than him and seeing him being involved in his politics exploits, and wondering how I'd got to be his older sister, and he knew so much more about it than I did. Like I was not embarrassed because like I was proud of him and I liked that I was able to learn from him, but I was shocked at how he'd had to actively pursue that as an interest in order to gain that insight. Like, I felt like it's something I should know, considering how much of my life I'd spent in education. Absolutely. I think people will go on to have more interest in it than others, but everyone is very necessary to teach everyone what it means and what it is. And also, just things like being on the electoral roll, even if you don't vote, like registering to vote, which you do have to do in this country as well, like, can affect things like your credit 
check like sometimes they go to the electoral roll to find out who you are and where your taxes come from and things like that like it's an important thing to be a part of absolutely i listened to a podcast yeah it was in good company which um and it was the it's i recommend in good company podcast to everyone me too it's very good so good and then specifically that the episode we're talking about is the one with laura is it whitely whitely I'm so bad at names. I'm really embarrassed because I don't want to ruin someone's name. And it's on money, shame and managing your finances. And yeah, that was a a really big point that I didn't understand. It's a bit crackers to me that we were all forced to fill in a UCAS form at at sixth form level, but we weren't all forced to learn how to get on the electoral roll. (laughs) Yeah, such a good point. That's so bizarre. And also to have an understanding of your own because what often then happens is you develop the opinions that your parents have and you don't have an outside opinion because you're being fed stuff that they do and then because I had no knowledge I then didn't actively go and seek out things for myself which I think then like we're very different generations and it's really important for you to decide for yourself after having all of the knowledge what you would like to happen. Do you think... So I know someone who's had five or six jobs after school and they didn't go to uni and then they did as a result. And I remember telling my dad, like, oh, that's super cool that they've done that many because, like, in schools we're not taught what we can do. So at least they've explored Mm -hmm. some options. And my dad was like, well, from a position of someone who hires people, that actually looks really bad because it looks like they can't stay in a job for any significant amount of time. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, I, I understand what you mean. Like, yeah, it looks bad, but I never even considered it from that option. I literally was thinking like, oh wow, and what kind of society have we built that you're not encouraged to know what you do, so then you try and explore for yourself after you've finished school, and now you're getting punished for it because it looks like you yeah. you're not set in what you're doing and mm-hmm. you have no clue. Of course you have no clue. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like my first, I'm going to say proper job, because that's sort of disrespectful to my other jobs, <laughs> but my first um, career-driven job that was more based in something that I'd gone on to university to study had such a toxic environment, which if you've, or, it, which if you've already released the yeah. conversation we had before, yeah. and people have heard it, but um, it was such a toxic environment, but I had in my head that I needed to stay there for at least two years, even though I was utterly miserable and was being treated so unfairly because I knew... I remember you kept saying like, okay, well, this time next year I'll stop because then I would have been here. Because I knew that it would look bad if I was going on to another employer. I knew that was something that they looked at to see if you were like non-committal as a person. had how many days off were you allowed a year? So... Of ones I could choose were seventeen. Yeah. Insane. And just it was seventeen just... days. And if you're living, if you're in a job you don't like, and you're trying to live the the better half outside of life, and you only have seventeen days to do so, mm-hmm. that's really not an, a healthy lifestyle to lead. No, it wasn't. And yeah, I just it was it's sad to me that I felt like I had to stay there for the sake of what my record would look like when really it was nothing to do with me not being committed or my work ethic it was the fact that it was a toxic environment of a company to work for yeah like it wasn't actually 
it wouldn't be to my detriment that I wanted to leave that company early. And it wouldn't mean that when I found the next company, I wouldn't want to commit to them. But that's what it looks like on a record. And that's really sad. Which is why it's so important to change the system. Because if that part's never going to change, and I'm not sure that that is going to change, because I do understand yeah. why sometimes it looks bad, then <laughs> then we need to do something about the system that's in place before you end up in that job. Because you're making mentally unstable people and again it's like in terms of society it's in our benefit to make sure that that doesn't happen because Mm -hmm. of so many different factors in society and what means because it doesn't affect what you as one person it does affect like the whole whole significant group of people like family people around you any services that you have to use like Anyone that you touch, any like the people you sit next to on the bus, yeah. like anyone you interact with. Uh, and this is a tiny point that's kind of going back again to people who uh, perhaps were not given as many opportunities because they were made to feel stupid or whatever at school. At your school, what I could think of some cool opportunities, and I went on my old school's website before I came here my uh, secondary school and there seemed to be some super cool opportunities there and then I thought back and I was like did I even have cool stuff like they now have a radio station set up and I was like wow that's super cool that is cool because um my housemate used to do radio down in the town because they have a station and it's in joint with them that's really cool and there was a few other things that like people were allowed to go and do a debate somewhere else but what would always happen is it would always be a select chosen amount of people that would be allowed to go and do these super cool things. For example, like the debate thing, I think like two people were chosen to to go and do it. Why can't we just do these super cool things in the school as well for everyone to do it? Because I don't know about you, but the people that were normally chosen were normally the the brightest people in Mm -hmm. the whole class, but they might not be the people who are actually the best for, for that thing they're, mm-hmm. they're just academically the smartest person in all realms of subjects yeah whereas there might be someone that's really good at debating that has never been given the opportunity to yeah um so you don't even know that they're good at or someone who's maybe the quieter person in the class if they're given an opportunity maybe they become like the loudest in in a debate mm-hmm. or something like that because they haven't been given the opportunity to speak and it's like my, my someone very close to me yeah is uh, dyspraxic yeah, which means they have difficulty um, sort of getting the messages from their brain up to their extremities. Yeah. It's a little bit... I've probably described that really wrong. I'm sorry if someone's dyspraxic and I've just totally misdescribed a condition. <laughs> but the way that it manifested in the person that I know, they really struggled to write their ideas down. Yeah. But they were so clever at speaking. If you had a conversation with them, it was like... Like, when this person was 15, it was like they had a brain of a 40-year-old. They could debate so well with full-grown adults and had such uh, well-rounded ideas. But in subjects where those ideas were coming out, they were tested in a written exam. Yeah, come back so to So, for example, um, like, in religious education, when they were talking about morality or ethics and things like that, yeah. he could debate till the cows came home in such an impressive fashion and as soon as he came to be tested he really struggled because he just couldn't get yeah. his ideas down but if there was another space to do that like a debates space that could give him more confidence in his 
speaking abilities yeah. and not placing the onus on this written test, so maybe that would have stood him in really good stead. Who knows? Absolutely. And there are some other things, like even with clubs, like, oh, you can join a club and try something new. For some people, it's really scary to do something like that new for the first time or yeah. to be the one that likes, oh, I want to do... So why not give everyone the opportunity to try it once and then you can have a select group of people that choose to do it or that have come out great in in that bit. But it's Mm -hmm. just giving everyone an opportunity or, yeah, an opportunity to to discover something that they haven't done before and not just the select people who are the loudest in the room, for example, or Mm -hmm. the the most academically smart people in the room. Just giving people experience space to explore ideas yeah and having experiences before they go out into the the real world Mm. it's even like what we're doing here obviously you and i are not about to change the face of the education system forever (laughs) we wish we 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 come from we come (laughs) i swear there was a moment where we like could we how would we do it i know no really we were trying to have an epiphany we were like this needs to happen now and then we were like let's talk about and hopefully someone else can also help us but that but that's what i mean like even though we know we come from very biased positions, we come from privileged backgrounds, we have, we've all got our own baggage. I hear people having these conversations and somewhere out there, like you said, some kids got the cure. Someone yeah. eventually will have the mind that puts together a financially viable, easily implementable solution to yeah. some of these really intrinsic problems in which the education system is failing us in this country absolutely but like i i, I don't want to come across on this podcast like we've got all these ideas and we're picking all these holes and i think i can fix <laughs> it but i think it's important not to put ourselves down because we can't fix it absolutely it's important to talk about it and share ideas because who knows someone that listens to this might go that's an area of my brain that's just switched on really hard. I I have a connection to my local governor. Yeah. I'm going to submit this idea. Yeah. I mean, I mean, or even a group of people. Like, just, if everyone starts talking about ideas, bounce. Yeah. Just think that your conversations are worth having with regards to these issues. Thanks, Sam, for coming on. It was my pleasure, Simone. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if anyone's actually listened to all of this. Definitely not. It's so long. That was a very long time. Uh, bye. Bye bye bye.